This is the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And now, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. Hi, this is Fred Jeff Smith, and I'm very happy to welcome you to another edition of our Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. It is a very busy and a very exciting time uh, here at Shiloh, and I dare say for all of Christendom, for as uh, I sit here doing this podcast today, uh, we are embarking upon Holy Week, uh, that time between Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday, uh, where we walk with Jesus uh, through his passion and look forward to his triumphant resurrection. So, as you might imagine, here at Shiloh and again at churches all around the country, it's a very busy time, but it's also a very exciting time for us uh, here because of what the Lord is doing uh, here in Shiloh. Uh, We have just uh, finished the first week of what we are calling Road to Renewal, uh, a week of fasting and prayer from 6 a.m. until noon, uh, and that included three midday worship experiences, and we were blessed each and every day of the worship experience. We had wonderful worship. We had inspired singing. We had edifying preaching and uh, the preaching was centered around various themes Uh, the first worship was centered around evangelism the second worship was centered around holistic ministry and uh, today's worship uh, the third worship uh, centered around social justice and I think it's the social justice component that I want to focus this podcast on uh, today Uh, Not just because of what's going on here in Shiloh, but what's going on here in the Baton Rouge community. Uh, There are any number of social justice issues that are staring our community in the face. Uh, One has to do with police reform and law enforcement uh, reform within our community. We're still waiting some 625 days as this is being recorded, more than 20 months. We're still waiting for... Uh, our state attorney general uh, to render a decision as to whether or not uh, he will pursue charges against police officers who killed Alton Sterling in July of 2016. Uh, And it has uh, prompted within this community uh, a call not just for justice for Mr. Sterling, but a call for a complete overhaul of police reform in our community. On too many different occasions, uh, African Americans uh, have been the victims of homicide at the hands of police officers. And I dare not say that uh, all of those shootings were unjustified. I'm not qualified to say that. But I do say that it's a disturbing pattern when young African Americans, primarily African American males feel uncomfortable, feel unsafe on the streets of our community, even in the face of law enforcement. And I am disturbed at uh, the slow pace uh, that has uh, been brought to bear with regard to the rendering of a decision on Alton Sterling and whether or not uh, officers Lake and Salamone will be charged with uh, criminal activity in the way that they handled this situation. 20 
plus months of paid administrative leave for these two officers. It is simply unacceptable. Uh, in addition uh, to that, our state legislature is in session right now, and they're desperately trying to figure out how they're going to plug a $1.1 billion hole in our state's budget. Uh, we had a special legislative session before the regular session, uh, and the governor has said, Governor John Bill Edwards, has said that he hopes to be able to close the regular session uh, as quickly as possible, as early as uh, mid-May, so that he can uh, initiate a second special session to deal uh, specifically with uh, the budget crisis that is facing our state. And I call it a crisis because whenever you're talking about saving $1.1 billion, uh, you're talking about cutting needed services from our community. And the people who will need those services the most uh, are poor. They, they are the poor. Uh, they are the disadvantaged. They are the elderly. They are children. By and large, many of them are people of color. So when you're talking about cutting services, cutting health care services, cutting food programs, cutting other services that are essential to enhancing the quality of life within our state, you're really talking about placing a heavy uh, burden upon the poor and uh, the people of color within this state. Uh, there is the issue uh, of St. George. Uh, there is the specter of uh, another city uh, being incorporated within East Baton Rouge Parish. This is the second round of the St. George petition movement. Uh, some 106,000 people who live in the southeastern portion of the parish want to incorporate, uh, not because they feel just a burdening need to have a city of their own, but they're doing it specifically for a divisive reason because they want an independent school system set apart from the East Baton Rouge Parish school system. Uh, don't let anybody tell you that this is for any other reason than uh, people who live in that part of the parish want to have an independent school district. And the purpose for the independent school district is so that they can have a white majority school district because uh, the overwhelming majority of those who live in the St. George area, the proposed St. George area, are white people who have become tired or perhaps become economically wearied by having to send their children to private and parochial schools so that their children are not engaged in the public schools of East Baton Rouge Parish. And somebody will ask, well, why do they have to go to private and parochial schools? Well, they have to because they don't want their children uh, associating with African-American and other children of color in the public school system. They will use the argument that the public school system uh, is broken, that the public school system is inferior, that they don't have uh, the access to the best possible schools in their area. That's all bogus. The truth of the matter is they want a school where they are the majority, where 
not where black people aren't aren't welcome, but where black people are definitely the minority within the school system. And they see this as the means by which to accomplish it. That is a social justice issue. Uh, the social justice issue, keeping it on on, on the issue of schools, uh, has to do with the school tax renewal that will be coming up for vote uh, very shortly in this parish, April 28th, uh, to be exact. Uh, we're going to be asked to renew a tax millage uh, within our uh parish uh, to fund uh, schools in three separate ways. Uh, one portion has to do with teacher pay raises, teacher and staff pay raises. Uh, one has to do with truancy programs and one has to do with funding uh, new and improved facilities uh, within the East Baton Rouge Parish school system. Uh, it is a 10-year millage. It is the, re the renewal of a tax. And as I understand it, it's just the third uh, renewal of such a tax. And anybody who tells you that a tax is temporary doesn't live in the state of Louisiana because once it gets voted in, it stays here forever. Uh, but it's not that there's a problem with uh, uh, taxing yourself. If you want good schools, then you have to be willing to pay for them. And since Louisiana uh, has no desire to lower the homestead exemption from $75,000 to a more reasonable amount of money so that we pay more in property taxes, we continue to use our regressive taxes such as sales taxes and millages in order to fund uh, goods and services that our government provides for us. Uh, that's an argument for another day uh, about lowering the homestead exemption. It, go, it dates all the way back to Huey Long and the last governor who dared approach uh, dealing with the homestead exemption was Buddy Romer and he was a one-term governor because he approached the issue of uh, homestead exemption. But if we're going to tax ourselves the way that we are, then we need to be sure that what we are doing is in the best interest of the overall parish. And I have grave concerns about how this millage uh, intends to be used, not the propositions themselves, but what we're going to do within the proposition. Of course, we want to see uh, teachers and staff people get better pay, more competitive pay with other parishes around us. And of course, we want to do what we can to curb uh, truancy within our school system. But when you're talking about spending money for facilities, you have to ask the question, where are the facilities going to go? Going back to the St. George issue, if we decide that we're going to uh, purchase land and build facilities uh, in the area that is proposed to be St. George. And if the St. George proponents are successful in incorporating in, in getting the number of signatures necessary in winning the vote and in developing their own city and after that their own school system, then we're saying that five to ten years from now, the schools that we're talking about building now will no longer be a part of the East Baton Rouge Parish school system they will be a part of the St. George independent school system. And I don't believe that it is appropriate to ask for the members of this parish, 
across this parish, across the length and breadth of this parish, to pay for schools that ultimately will not belong to the East Baton Rouge Parish school system. So that is a social justice issue. Uh, the uh, industrial tax exemption program, which is before the state legislature right now, and, and, and how it is going to be utilized. Uh, wh what is the industrial tax exemption uh, program? It allows for corporations to uh, be exempted from certain taxes if they put in so much uh, facility enhancement uh, and expansion within their corporations. But what has been discovered is that uh, these uh, tax incentives that have been given to these corporations have been to the detriment of the people of the state of Louisiana. And the governor wisely and progressively and aggressively decided that he would uh, not just give a blanket uh, pass to corporations uh, with regard to paying taxes, but that he would allow every community to decide within its own parish structure how those monies would be determined, whether or not every corporation will receive a tax uh, incentive from the efforts of what they are trying to do. Stop. Is that a bother? Cool. Okay. Got to get back on the roll I was on. <clears throat> so, then the issue becomes whether or not uh, an Exxon Mobil or uh, some other corporation within our parish that decides to do an expansion uh, should be given a tax incentive for doing so, even when the expansion does not provide anything in the way of jobs or employment within our community. There was something in the paper the other day about the fact that ExxonMobil has been exempted from more than $300 million in taxes over the last 10 years. Well, you take that $300 million number and put that against the number uh, that exists for Proposition 2 of uh, the school tax renewal, uh, which is specific for teacher uh, pay raises, teacher and staff pay raises, and the numbers are almost exactly the same. So what that says is, if ExxonMobil were a good corporate citizen of East Baton Rouge Parish, then there would be no need for us to continue to use regressive taxes and millages in order to support our school system. That pay raises would have been already taken care of by the taxes paid by ExxonMobil. It's not just taxes for school teachers. Infrastructure in this community is horrible. Anyone who has to get across this parish knows that at a certain time of day, they're simply going to have a terrible time doing that. I bring all these issues up because all of these issues are more than just community issues. They're more than just political issues. These are social justice issues issues. These are biblical justice issues. These are issues that we as the church are called upon to speak to, to make sure that those who are in power recognize their responsibility to treat everyone, everyone with fairness and with courtesy and with respect and with dignity.
Too often, those who are marginalized within our society receive the worst of what our society has to offer, whereas others who are more economically advantaged receive the best. And those who are marginalized have very little voice to say anything about their marginalization. But is that not the job of the church? To stand up for the least, for the last, for the left out, for the black and the brown and the poor, for those who have the least in the way of academic credentials, for those who have the least with regard to occupational uh, opportunities and achievements, is it not the responsibility of the church to stand up for them and speak to those in power and demand in the name of Jesus Christ that everyone be treated equitably? and that we distribute the goods and services that are entrusted to us in a way that meets the needs of everyone. It's biblical. It's New Testament church. Read Acts chapter 2. For those who are listening to this and say, this has nothing to do with religion. This has nothing to do with God. Certainly it does. It's the gospel. Read Acts chapter 2. And what I'm about to tell you goes against the grain of the capitalist uh, society that we all live in. That's called America. In Acts chapter two, it says that after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the believers, after the empowerment of the church, there was a change in attitude. There was a change in mindset that existed within those who were a part of the church. They no longer counted their possessions and goods as being something that they wanted to hoard to themselves. The scripture literally says selling their possessions and goods. They gave to everyone as they had need. Hear that selling their possessions and goods, giving up what was theirs. They sold them for profit they sold them so that they could take the money and and then they they gave to everyone who had need so they sold in order to get but then with what they got they didn't keep it to themselves but they shared it with others as they had need it's biblical and i know that there's a certain segment of christendom that doesn't teach this, that doesn't stand on this, that doesn't recognize the power of this. Usually those who are on that side are those who are the oppressors, those who have historically been the oppressors. But for those who have been the oppressed, for those who still are the oppressed, it is the hope that that passage and other passages of Scripture give us that make us cling to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus came saying, I came to preach good news to the poor and to liberate the captive and to preach and declare the acceptable year of 
the Lord. Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was out of doors, you provided shelter for me. And when the question is asked, when did we see you this way? He said, when you did it to the least, you have done it to me. The apostle Paul tells us, don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. The gospel is replete with examples of meeting the needs of others as being essential to our Christian witness. And somehow or other, we have gotten off track in too much of Christendom where we no longer recognize it as being our responsibility. It's not noble to be kind. It's not regal to be compassionate. It's who we are. It's who we are supposed to be. And you shouldn't be looking for brownie points. You shouldn't be looking for special accolades. You shouldn't be looking for trophies to put on a mantle because you have done specifically what the gospel calls for you to do. When I was a kid in school, and I brought home a good report card. My mother once looked at my report card and she said, oh, you did so well, baby. We're going to have to do something special for you. And my father interrupted her and said, no, we don't. That's his job. Just like you go to work and I go to work and we do our job. His job is to go to school and make good grades and bring those good grades home. Don't nobody give you nothing special because you did your job. Don't nobody give me nothing special because I did my job. And we're not going to give him anything special because he did his job. And I learned from that. We shouldn't be looking for special accolades because we're doing what we're supposed to do. When we help the poor, when we uplift the needy, when we look out for those who are marginalized by society, when we speak truth to power and when we stand in the gap and say to people that it is not right, it is not Christian, it is not loving for us to take from others in order to enrich ourselves. Nobody should have to give you a certificate for you to put on a wall for that. Nobody should have to give you a plaque for doing that. It is our job. It is our duty to the God that we serve, to the Christ who saved us, to the Holy Spirit who indwells us to do these things. It's a very special time in our community. It is a time when we are beginning to wake up to the reality that we have a responsibility. Uh, I say wake up to the reality. I guess I should say reawaken to the reality that we have a responsibility to help meet the needs of those who cannot help themselves. And I can't help but be very, very happy and very grateful to God that I serve a church that is in the midst of such a calling such a charge upon its life upon the life of this congregation to help meet the needs of others i hope you have a wonderful resurrection sunday and i look forward to your tuning in again to another edition of the thrive podcast with the shiloh missionary baptist church